kids will be able to meet the standards or high expectation if you give them the scaffolds needed to make it there. Don't lower your expectation of your students. Provide more ways of helping them get access to that knowledge. Our topic today is managing academic transitions after a disruptive year of learning, switching our mindsets from learning loss to accelerating learning. Tech Talk for Teachers is brought to you by avid.org. Avid believes we need to accelerate, not remediate. To learn more about Avid, visit their website at avid.org. Welcome to Tech Talk for Teachers, the podcast where teachers discuss how technology and teaching best practices can positively transform education to create equitable classrooms for future-ready learners. I'm Rena Clark. I'm Paul Beckerman. And I'm Winston Benjamin. We are educators. And we're here to share actionable teaching strategies you can implement into your classroom. Our quote today is from William Bridges, a leader in the area of change and transition. He says, change is situational. Transition, on the other hand, is psychological. It's not those events, but rather the inner reorientation or self-redefinition that you have to go through in order to incorporate any of those changes into your life. Without transition, a change is just a rearrangement of the furniture. Unless transition happens, the change won't work because it doesn't take. I really like that quote, especially the concept of situational versus psychological is in terms of like, how do I deal with and choose to deal with change? Winter comes, spring comes, all these seasons come into everything. Turn, turn, turn. There is a season. Um, There you go. Exactly. Um, So I think it's important to remember that it's part of life and connecting it to school. Every year, students go to another grade. Every year, students graduate. So transition is part of our game. So learning how do we work within that transition for next year is going to be important. Yeah, and I almost wish there's another word. I'm trying to think. There's the transition and change. So change happens no matter what, but it's a psychological piece. And I believe we can help out with that that transitional piece. And similar to what Winston said, even like changing grades. But I think how many transitions do we go throughout the day? I think someone like tracked, like how many changes are we constantly changing? Even so as my elementary teacher, like we're transitioning between topics or transitioning between, you know, we were reading and now we're going to have snack time. If we just say snack time or back to reading, back to writing, like that, that, that doesn't work well for students. Or we think about, even we talk about when do all these like so-called discipline things happen? It's during transitions. Well, which is kind of interesting. It's maybe because it wasn't transitioned well <laughs> or providing a space, an unstructured space, kind of back to the last episode where those structures are needed. And I think that's also true with transitions. So we need to provide some of that structure and practice with transitions with students so that they are better equipped to transition on their own. Yeah, that's a perfect transition into our topic for today, actually, which is all about transitions because our teachers, students, staff, families, everybody involved in education is going to be going through a big transition this year. Although some schools more than others, depending on where they are in the pandemic response progression. But um, 
we will be going back in a lot of cases to face-to-face -to -face or from a distance learning to a hybrid approach. There's just a different learning environment that a lot of people are going to need to get used to. So we're going to talk a little bit about that transition today and what that means for kids academically and personally. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is just the mindset of it. Uh, flipping that term learning loss on its head because learning loss has a lot of negative connotations. It's, it's really a deficit mindset kind of a term. You're, you're focusing on loss. Um, how can we flip that to accelerating learning to make it a positive kind of a, a viewpoint to be thinking about? In fact, um, I was at a keynote or at a conference this past year and the keynote speaker was Ken Shelton. And he had a great comment about this in his keynote. He said, the more you get inundated with deficit-based language, the more that becomes your focus. And I really start thinking, you know, in other words, if you're continually reminding kids that they've failed, that can have such a negative impact on their confidence, their self-worth, their motivation. It can lead to that negative stigma that can strip kids of their pride, their desire to learn. They're just going to hate school if everything is always this deficit piece. So how can we flip that and inspire and motivate and accelerate the learning in our classroom rather than focusing on that, um, that deficit mindset. Uh, you guys have thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, it's that deficit that we were thinking just, well, is the deficit. <laughs> that word's pretty strong. So what is that strength-based vocabulary? Do you think with, with my, my own kiddos, I talk about them a lot, but I think since they kind of went through this as elementary students, I never once turned to my, my own kid and would say, Oh, you got learning loss. We, you're not where you're supposed to be. <laughs> Darn it. You, you've, you've lost some learning because they actually haven't lost anything. Is that like that song? You've lost that learning <laughs> thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, or maybe like, that was that, something else. <laughs> that is just this made up concept of some adults or we can even talk about why are we even calling it that for certain reasons. It's We're not going to go down that path. I have some strong feelings, but um. So that's just a preconceived thing that we've made up. There's not a loss. And we talk about also, what are all the things that we learned during this pandemic? We've talked about this before. And I know in other episodes, we talked about even, even if a child was home taking care of their sibling, what did they learn in that process? There was learning happening, but we also are prioritizing some learning as being better than others. And why do we say that? I think actually it was you, Winston, that brought this up when you were on our show early on as a guest. You talked about this idea of, you know, a student that goes to Europe on a vacation. We're like, oh, that's such good learning. But the kid that's at home learning how to prepare meals and take care of someone else, that's not the same. So I think it's just like lifting up the strengths um, and then that can get into that accelerated learning. So focusing on strengths, play to those strengths. Um acknowledge that they exist and then we can move into what we call acceleration which we'll talk about in a little bit i i i 100% agree with you rena in terms of how um those hidden dogmas impact how we look at what students are learning and who are learning but there's also something important that i think is highlighted in this question were kids actually learning before I, I don't think we've really asked that question of the system, right? If how many students were being impacted negatively before COVID with being treated as not capable 
or all of these other deficit frameworks. So I'm wondering if it's the question of like how we talk about students or how, how we see ourselves as educators that's really being questioned, right? Um, if the students are learning, then I, I, if they don't have learning, then I don't have to be responsible for them not gaining any skills. Instead of my students are here and I'm going to get them to this level because I'm going to give them skills. I think there's a question on um, whose autonomy and power to make change is really being questioned and brought up. And I think teachers can make change if they, as you said, Rena, shift that perspective. They absolutely can. And that leads to the question, how, you know, how do we switch from a remediation kind of a mindset to an acceleration mindset? Um, how do we do that? And I think that goes back to another, one of our favorite words in tech talk for teachers relationships. Um, talk about relationships and having a supportive environment. Uh, I kind of want to go back um, a quote from research from school practices to address student learning loss. But this is an interesting quote about what doesn't work. And it also made me think of Hurricane Katrina because there's lots of research showing what didn't work. But compressed content, grade retention, enhanced response to intervention. So RTI, if you're familiar with that, show less evidence that the sustainability shift learning outcomes for struggling students and some have potential adverse long-term consequences. So this IT idea of like retention, learning, if we're not going to go back, let's say a student's moving into, you know, sixth grade, we're not going to go back and teach them third grade math skills according to Common Core because that's what they're, that's not, it's, that's not shown to work. And there was lots of research done with Hurricane Katrina to show fourth graders that maybe missed third grade. We don't go back and teach them third grade. That actually didn't help. It had a negative impact. So relationships and then doing what I'm going to have that positive intent, like what teachers can do best. And that's the differentiation, um, really knowing your students well, differentiating for students. And then I'm sure you all have some other strategies you can plug in, but this idea of like high dosage tutoring. So directly tied to the classroom content. So not a remediation, but like support connected to not an instead of type situation. Yeah. I think the key is that it is tied in with the classroom. You know, teachers probably, like like you said perfectly, they can't go back and redo the previous grade. There's no, if you go back and redo the previous grade, now you're forever behind. There's no way you will ever catch up. We have to be more efficient moving ahead. And that means targeting those grade level standards. You can't teach last year standards. You have to keep the kid focusing on grade level standards or you're depriving them of the content that they need moving forward. And then if we can somehow weave in those prerequisite standards that they need to be successful with this year's content. Do it in context, do it when they need it, identify those, those key power standards so that you know they have to have this. If they don't, then I'm gonna do that, that intense high dosage tutoring on that piece so they can now be successful in this year's grade level content. Not last year's, we're moving ahead, you're coming with me. And I, you, you just mentioned to a, a few things that really highlight teacher knowledge of content. Because if teachers have a really good grasp of their content, then they're able to make those connections to student experience and other community knowledge, right? And also, 
I think one of the other ways of shifting that is rigor. Kids will be able to meet the standards or high expectation if you give them the scaffolds needed to make it there. Don't lower your expectation of your students. Provide more ways of helping them get access to that knowledge, I think. Right. Like, is there a story that connects this? Is there a way that we can talk about food deserts as a chance to help students learn about geometry as well as science, as well as nutrition? So looking at different avenues for building that knowledge and and um, uh, Linda Darling Hammond describes uh, the need for providing access to quality learning experiences and instructions as a point uh, point of really pushing forward to supporting students. And I think that's an excellent way of connecting to that idea. And, and I think to play off that, that also the, the multiple on-ramps or pathways. And I know we have some articles in Avid Open Access, but we're talking about universal design for learning. So providing multiple on-ramps, but still with high rigor. Everyone has high rigor, but we're providing those multiple ways for them to access and show their learning. They're very important. But that's what, honestly, when people ask me, I'm just like, good, good teaching. That's what we need to be doing next year. Good teaching. <laughs> for sure. And I love that uh, you mentioned the relevance piece. I think relevance goes in lots of different ways. Is it culturally relevant to the student? Is it personally relevant? Is it, does it matter to the student? And if it matters, it doesn't, if it matters, it doesn't matter that it's rigorous in a sense. You know, they're not going to fight rigorous content if it's meaningful to them. Yeah. And I think as teachers, that's where like the work comes in, maybe in your professional learning community, your PLC. So it, I'll give you an example with some of the science work that I've been doing. Um, so we're I'm located in Washington State, but some of our science curriculum talks about kind of, oh my goodness, I'm not going to remember, but these bridges essentially for animals to cross over. But all the pictures and examples came from, I believe, like Wisconsin or the East Coast. Well, my students that here in Washington State are like, well, that's that's nice. That's lovely. And they, you know, we can do the work. But instead, you know, as a group, we found actually on... I-90, which is like right where we live, right here, we have this project going on and there's a website and there's actually just an animal crossing built. Like I didn't even know what it was actually until I started looking into it and making it more relevant to the community they live in. Students, all of a sudden, just from that tiny shift, were so much more interested than this bridge somewhere in the East Coast I've never heard of. I don't care. But this is actually relevant to the animals that live in our backyards and it's so much more powerful for them and it just prompted so much more learning. So that, that can be really powerful and that's where the teacher can step in and make a real difference. Well, let's, let's talk about some specific ways we can do that by jumping into our toolkit. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. What's in the toolkit? What, what is in the toolkit? What's in the toolkit? Check it out. All right. So it is time for what's in the toolkit. Uh, today's toolkit is an acceleration toolkit, and it's a big topic. I mean, like you said earlier, Rena, it's about good teaching. But what are some of those core concepts that we can think about moving forward that can help get our students really focused on moving ahead rather than dwelling on on learning loss, which we agreed we don't really like that term. So, uh, Rena, what, what's in your toolkit? So I'm actually really thinking about data-driven instruction. And when I say data, I don't mean like 
just this big test that, no, I'm talking about everyday data that I'm collecting in multiple ways. Um, And then how am I collecting that data? And then how am I using that data to really inform my instruction? And I can be doing that on an individual basis. I can be doing that with my team. But I think it's so important to just kind of have the pulse of where your students are. It might be formal. It can be informal. But you need some sort of data collection in order to really know what's going on and then make those changes based on that. I, I agree with your data collect data point, and I also include student feedback as a data point, right? Like, what are they? How are they? What do they need, and what do they want from you? And then for me, I think it's connecting to the story. What is it that you want students to walk away with? Having a clear understanding of what it is, so that you can tell them why it is. I think will also be very important, like know your goal so that you can help students um, travel the path. And I would say identifying those power standards. What are those core pieces? Teachers know when they look at the standards, there are so many of them (laughs) that we know we cannot possibly get to mastery in every single one of them. But what are the really key ones that the students need to know, even from last year, to be successful this year? and then spiral those into the learning for this year so that um, we can keep moving forward and not going backwards. And that's a great segue to our Avid website. Who wants to talk about Avid website? So, so we talked a lot about different strategies, but one thing that's great, and I will say, I will brag on all of us a little bit. So we're all writers actually for Avid Open Access. Go Avid so, Open Access. Woo, um, and so I... I mean, I personally know there's a lot of different articles and resources that can help fill up your toolkit in order for you to really support student learning and really accelerate student learning next year. So if you go to avidopenaccess.org and check us out, we'll hope you'll find some really great resources. Yeah, we're currently in the process of creating some collections that will get you ready for the return to the school year and some of these transitions that our, our students will be experiencing moving back. And that brings us into our one thing. It's time for that one thing. One thing. One thing. Time for that one thing. It's that one thing. So remind so we've talked a lot about kind of managing that academic transition after a disruptive, we could say the least disruptive year of learning. I might say the most disruptive year of learning in my life. Yeah. um, And learning loss versus accelerated learning. So what are your one things, Paul and Winston? I'll let you go first, Winston. Thank you so much, Paul. My one thing is to remember to change the perspective. Right. Is it that you are putting the blame on student or it's like, hey, we all going through it. So how can we help each other learn instead of saying that they didn't learn anything? I think that is a very powerful um, way of taking pressure off the teachers and students. Yeah. And I'm going to focus on the the really the positive focus instead of the deficit focus as well. There is a, a Forbes article and there's a quote in there. It says, if we focus only on learning loss, we'll walk down a familiar road one paved with repetitive remediation, disengaged students, and reluctant families who are disillusioned with impersonal, inauthentic learning. Nobody wants that for their kids. Our our kids deserve much more than that. They deserve to be stretched, 
inspired and empowered. And that should be our focus. And I don't, I don't know that I can top that. You said it so well, but really that strength-based thinking instead of deficit thinking is is my big takeaway. And I think you you put it really well, Paul. All right. Well, we'd like to thank our listeners for joining us today and our conversation about transitioning back to school. We know that the start of the school year will be unique. It'll present new challenges and new opportunities as well. As we approach the year, let's start from an asset based point of view rather than a deficit mindset. Let's accelerate learning in an equitable and effective way so we can empower our learners to be successful, all of our learners. We know it's a challenge and we know that you are incredible and you will rise to the occasion because you are amazing. Teachers are amazing and we value you so much. So let's hear it for our teachers, administrators, and support staff. Woo! Woo! Round of applause. Oh, if you could see Winston, it is literally a round of applause. <laughs> Thank you for all you do. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk for Teachers. We invite you to visit us at avidopenaccess.org, where you can discover resources to support student agency, equity, and academic tenacity to create a classroom for future-ready learners. We'll be back here next Wednesday for a fresh episode of Tech Talk for Teachers. And remember, go forth and be awesome. Thank you for all you do. You make a difference.